All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Yay. Hey, what you should really appreciate, or who you should really appreciate, is Renee. Because you say thank you to Renee. Because she should, she should get like a Nobel Peace Prize. Because this Tuesday, she would have suffered 14 years with me. And so um, we're celebrating 14 years uh, with a little staycation uh, this weekend. And uh, the following week on um, Saturday, it will be Judah's 13. Uh, 13th birthday, so we will officially have a teenager in our midst, and we're so excited, and uh, man, life is good, Jesus is good, and a special just shout out to Joey, who's right over here, who used to live up the valley, <laughs> a dear brother, um, and so uh, with that, you guys, how's everyone doing? You guys doing good? All right, football season is here, yes. The Lakers are looking really good. Can I get an amen? Right, Richard? All right. And, um, and the crazy thing is, the amazing thing is the trade winds are back. So thank you, Jesus. And my electricity bill is so, and I'm so happy because, man, it's been really hot and dry. But uh, this morning, we're going to, would you open your Bibles to James chapter 2? Uh, we're going to go in verses 14 through about 26, and we're going to be talking about faith without works is dead. Faith without works is dead. In 1993, there was a man named Art Davey, and he proposed to John Milius and Horion Gracie that they should come up with an eight-man tournament, and they should call it War of the Worlds where they would have different martial arts, different disciplines, whether it's karate, kempo, judo, kickboxing, boxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, um, sumo. And they would, um, they said, let's have a War of the Worlds eight-man tournament. And um, what they really wanted to do was, uh, before the advent of YouTube, there was these VHS tapes. And in these VHS tapes is that they would have different martial artists go into a Gracie Jiu-Jitsu dojo or gym and challenge them. Hey, I want to challenge you. My karate style can beat your Jiu-Jitsu style. And so what they ended up seeing was, man, Jiu-Jitsu is really um, the more superior martial arts. And so the Gracies were like, we should really market this in self-defense. So in November 12, 1993, in Denver, Colorado, at the McNichol Sports Arena, they had their first ever UFC 1, Ultimate Fighting Championship. And did you know that the, the root of that was to display Gracie Jiu-Jitsu, that martial arts really work, that Gracie Jiu-Jitsu in a street fight, now they have tons and tons and tons. You could go to a Gracie library and get uh, self-defense classes and get a membership and watch self-defense classes and how martial arts works in real life, in real life. And it turned out that they were true because three of the four UFC champions were from... Uh, Hoist Gracie, 170 pounds. He was fighting guys over 300, 400 pounds, and he would submit them because Gracie Jiu-Jitsu works in real life. 
we're going through a series called Faith Works. And in the epistle of James, we see that faith really works in real life. That it's just not like, oh, that's a nice theory, you believe in Jesus, and has no effect on your life whatsoever. That faith is not just a concept that you keep in your brain or you keep in your heart and you blindly follow, but faith is tangible and it works in real life. In James chapter 1, count it all joy when you encounter various trials. That faith works when you go through trials. That faith works that when you have anger issue, right? Be slow to speak, slow to, um, quick to hear and be slow to anger. That faith works when you have anger issues. That faith works when you're controlling your tongue. James chapter 2 last week, we talked about that faith works in church and community. That there's no favoritism. That faith actually works in real life. And it made, it was, I was aware of that last night because I was at the ministry center from like 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. and I just like to go through my notes and pray it through and praise and worship. And with nobody at the office, I just like to pray through my notes. And I was, as I was praying, as I was worshiping, and as I was looking through different commentaries and seeing what the Spirit of God has said, I let the Word of God just download and marinate in my soul that, you know, faith without works is dead. And so every time I go to the bathroom, um, man, I would just see uh, this truck out there, white truck. And there's about three people there. And then I just looked, they opened it up, and there were... It, they basically lived there. They were like young people. Not that they were homeless, but they lived out of their truck. And so I was just kind of looking around, and, you know, um, someone informed me, hey, be careful, there's a white truck. They're always around. And then I realized that these people, um, young people, did not have a home, and they were living out of their truck. And so as I was finished uh, just praying through, I was on my way down, and I saw them, and then they were just looking for food, looking for stuff. And uh, I was like, hey, how's it going? He's like, yeah, how's it go- it's going good. He goes, oh, you guys camping? Right? <laughs> he goes, no, bro, we, we just kind of camp out, and we live out of our truck, and we go to Sandy's and different parts of the island. I'm like, oh, okay. You know, James says, man, um, if you see someone in need of clothing or food, and you just can't tell them God bless you and not do anything, and I just remembered as I closed the office ministry center that they, one of our church members from Vita Coco, uh, he's a manager for all the Hawaiian Islands, uh, he gave us just boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes this tall, about four rows of Vita, Vita Coco um, coconut water. And then I was like, I just can't say, all right, God bless you guys. So I'm like, okay, faith works. This is where we put traction. This is where we put legs and feet in my, in my faith. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do about it? So I'm like, hey, you guys want some Vita Coco vitamin water? They're like, oh, we love that. That's our favorite, you know, hipsters, right? <laughs> How come you're not in Hala Eva? Anyways, and so, um, so I gave them, you know, I gave them two crates of vitamin water and, and Vita Coco, and they're like, oh, thank you so much. He goes, oh, you're a Christian? I said, yeah. He goes, yeah. He goes, oh, I saw the, on the door there, New Hope. I'm like, yeah. He goes, oh, bro, I'm down with JC. I'm like, what do you mean you're down with JC? <laughs> Joey Carroll? You know, he goes, no, bro. I'm, 
I'm down with, you know, I'm down with JC. I'm like, okay, well, we have service at 7.30 and 9.30. We'd love to see you there. But this is, uh, faith is not just something we keep inside. Faith is not just something we hold on to, but faith affects our everyday life. So let's go ahead and stand, and let's read our text for this uh, morning. James chapter 2. Verse 14, what good is it, my brothers and sister, sisters, if someone says he has faith, but he does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to him, hey, go in peace, be warmed and be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is your faith? Verse 17, so also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But if someone will say, you have faith and I have works, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder or they tremble. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see then that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed in God, And it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is not justified by works and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? And here's his conclusion. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith is apart from works is dead this is the word of the lord let's pray father we thank you god um, that we can grow in our faith that there is hope oh lord god that we can activate our faith through good works or through good deeds this morning god we find our home and we anchor our faith in you, Jesus. Lord, it's through your life, your death, your burial, and your resurrection that we have new life. It's because, Lord, your perfect life was transferred to us, was imputed on our account, God, that we can live out our faith. And so, Father, we thank you, God, for bringing us here this morning. I pray that everything, all the good things that you have in store for us will come into pass, will be fulfilled in our lives this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. So James chapter 1, verses 14, or chapter 2, verses 14 to 26 is actually the most theologically significant as well as the most controversial paragraph in the book of James. Did you guys know that Martin Luther, when he protested against the Catholic Church and birthed the Protestant movement, that 
Martin Luther because he wanted to say faith alone, faith alone, faith alone, faith alone. And the Catholic Church was, no, you got to do works, you got to do penance, you got to do works. That when he came up with the Bible, the Luther Bible, in 15, 1534, he actually did not want to include the book of James because it felt like it contradicted with faith alone. But you see here that faith without works is dead, that faith complement each other, that you cannot have faith without works. And here's our main point. Would you write this down? That saving faith is actively at work in everyday life. Saving faith is actively at work in everyday life. Now, you notice there that I put a qualifier that there is a saving faith. Because in James chapter 2, there's different kinds of faith, right? There's a faith that is dead, right? There's a faith that does not save, but there's a faith that justifies or makes us in right standing with God and makes us righteous, and there's a faith that saves. So a faith that saves is what? Is actively at work in everyday life. That it matters. Our faith matters. And how, how do we know that it matters? It's because we live out our faith in Jesus Christ. That it transforms us. That when we hear the word of God, it doesn't go from one ear to the other, but it takes root in our soul. It changes our hearts. It renews our thinking. And we begin to be transformed by the grace and power of God. Now, let me make this very clear. Okay, that faith here, saving faith, is birthed by the saving word. Because James chapter 1, verse 27 says that humbly or meekly receive the word of God planted in you, which is able to save your soul. So how do we have faith? Romans chapter 10 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. How do you develop your faith in God or in the gospel, when you hear Jesus, when you hear what he has done, when you hear how he pursues after you and me, your faith is being built and your faith in Jesus Christ is what saves you. 1 Corinthians 15 says, I want to remind you guys of the gospel which was preached to you, which you heard in which you now stand, which now is saving you. You see here that the gospel the good news about Jesus Christ, it saves our souls. That you could go through every and study every religion that's ever been around through the history of mankind. Christianity is the only religion where salvation is instantaneous. Meaning, all the other religions that man has ever invented Faith is a process. Faith is something, enlightenment. Nirvana is something that you work up to. It's something that you earn. It's something that you work for. It's something that you merit for. It's something that you graduate with. But the gospel of Jesus Christ that saves your soul is this. When you hear the gospel, when you hear about the love of God, when you hear and understand that you're a sinner, Ephesians chapter 1 says, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in your heart, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. 
that the gospel through hearing and believing in Jesus Christ instantly it saves you. That's why the thief on the cross could say what? All he had to say was, remember me. And because he believed in what Jesus and who Jesus was, and in that moment, what did Jesus say? You have to go to church. You have to take discipleship class. You have to start tithing. You got to start putting away your chairs. He goes, no, today you will be with me in paradise. So I really want to drive this home, all right? Because let's go to this slide over here. Because... I think for a lot of us, our understanding of faith is this, that faith plus works equals salvation. It's this works-based system. It's this Jesus plus. Yeah, you believe in Jesus. And by the way, let me pre- this is wrong, okay? That we, we believe in Jesus, we have faith, but we add works to it. That works is the root that, you know what? I have to do good works so that I can be saved. I believe in Jesus, but I have to go to church, that I have to read my Bible, I have to do devotions, I have to, do, I have to tithe, I have to serve, I have to do penance, I have to do my Hail Marys, I have to do all these different things. And that is not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches this. If you go to the next slide, please. That faith equals salvation. That when you believe in Jesus, you're saved, but... Your salvation is coupled or married with works. And works is the fruit of being saved. That works, doing good things, is a byproduct of faith in Jesus Christ. That works is something that happens to you or that that begins to transform and occurs in your life. Just like fire, right, ready empire, right, just like fire does not, or fire is hot, fire is hot not because it's trying to be fire, fire is hot because it is fire, you know, when my kids were growing up, uh, there was this movie Bolt. Do you guys remember that? It's about the cartoon. He was like a show dog and stuff with Miley Cyrus. And so anyways, the whole premise with that is that he was a show dog and he never really got to be a dog. And he had to learn how to play fetch and go outside, you know, stick his head out the window when driving and his wo- tongue was wagging. A dog does not bark because he's trying to be a dog. A dog barks because he is a dog. Can I get an Amen. In the same way, when you have faith in Christ Jesus, apart from works, you are saved. And because you are saved, you want to do good. Because you are saved, you want to love your neighbor as yourself. Because you are saved, you don't want to show partiality. Because you are saved, you want to be quick to hear, right? And slow to speak and slow to anger. Does that make sense? Okay, just what you really wanted to set that apart so number one um could you write down faith not accompanied by action is dead when your faith when you have faith in christ but it is not married to it is not attached if it is not coupled with or accompanied by action it is a dead faith it is not a saving faith look at james chapter 2 What good is it, my brothers, 
If someone says he has faith but does not have works, can that faith save him? Now, let me pause here real quick. The word good there, it, um, it occurs three times in the New Testament, okay? Twice here in James, one in 1 Corinthians, where the word good there, it actually means like profit. Or what can you gain? What can you profit or what can you gain if you say you have faith but you don't have works in your life? Can that faith save him? Okay? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace and be warmed and be filled without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. A faith that saves a faith that is active, a faith that is not dead, it changes you. That you don't, that your faith in Jesus Christ, as you read the Bible, as you come to know Christ more and, and as your faith begins to develop, faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of Christ. When you hear the word of God, it's like, man, I really need to do that. Man, I really need to have self-control. Man, I really need to be committed. Yeah, man, I need to be devoted. And once you begin to live that out in your everyday life, faith is validated. You and I, we do good works. You and I, we serve. You and I, we love. You and I, we forgive. Not because we're trying to be saved. We do that because we are saved. But if you play church, and you just go through it, you go through the motions, you don't think about Christ, your affection for Jesus doesn't increase or grow, you're just kind of, uh, oh, I know this song, oh, we sang that song last week, and you're not captivated by the love of Christ. I'm, I'm telling you, it's not, if you're not captivated by the love of Christ, it's not going to affect the way that you live. And James says, man, if you have that, that is a dead faith. That faith, if you're not accompanied by action, it is dead. Secondly, would you write down, faith without works is useless. It's no good, right? It's like rain in your wedding day, all right? right? It just doesn't make any sense. It's like a free ride where you're already paid, right? It's like good advice that you never take, right? No, I'm just kidding. But what I am saying is this, that if your faith is isolated, if there's no legs, there's no feet, if there's no action to your, work, to your faith, then your faith is useless, James says. Look at James chapter 2, verse 18. And what uh, James does here is that, remember, what was that word that we talked about last week? Remember the diatribe where James anticipates what the readers are going to do and he anticipates, um, and uh, the technical word is interlocutor. An interlocutor, what that person does, it's like a person having a dialogue. 
Because James is saying here, if you could trace with me his argument, James is saying, you know, faith without works is dead. In verse 18, he's like, oh, I know what someone's going to say from that church. Is gonna, I know what they're going to say. Look at verse 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. That they're two separate things. Show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. Look at verse 19. You believe that God is one and you do well. Even the demons believe and they shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? You know, when I was a youth pastor and, you know, youth, doing youth ministry, you could be edgy, you know, and you could try to get kids' attentions. And, you know, uh, I'm a little bit kolohe within me, and so... You know, I would tell the kids, all right. You know, I would set them up real nice too, right? How many of you guys believe the Bible? Like, yeah. How many of you guys believe that Jesus died for you? Yeah. How many of you believe that Jesus uh, took your place at the cross? Yeah. How many of you believe in the resurrection? Yeah. And it's like, all right, congratulations. You're no better than demons. <laughs> Why? Because James says, you believe. Okay, good for you. Yay. Even the demons believe and they shudder or they tremble what separates a demon from a saved born-again christian works may i add here volition volition meaning your will that you just don't believe with your mind that you have intellectual assent or you agree intellectually that there is a person named jesus that there is god but with your will with your life you live that truth out. Because if you don't do that, you might as well be a demon walking around believing that God is one, believing in Jesus, but not being saved. Because your faith will be useless if you don't marry it with works. Now, faith works in everyday life, you guys. When you read the Bible, you begin to see who God is. You begin to see who you are. You begin to see the kingdom of God and how you and I should live out as Christ followers. When I was in L.A. ministering in an inner city church in downtown L.A., um, there was these kids, three of them, Hector, Leo and Ruby, uh, three uh, Hispanic kids. And when I would do youth group at Wednesday nights or Friday nights and Thursday nights were about around 8 o'clock, 9 o'clock. This girl was probably 5 years old, 6 and 8. Walking around 9 o'clock downtown in the streets of L.A. And I'm just like, oh, what do I believe about God? that we are made in God's image? What do, we, what do I believe about children? What does my faith say in the Bible? That children are an inheritance from the Lord. What did Jesus do when children were walking around? He invited them to come so he could lay his hands on them and bless them. So I'm like, okay, am I going to do something about this belief or am I just going to keep this up here? Will my faith be activated or is my faith Will my faith be useless? So one day, uh, you know, I saw them around, 
And I think what really broke my heart is uh, we heard a knock on the door in our church office. It was all locked with like, you know, steel fences and gates and stuff. And a uh, person came with a badge. He goes, hey, I'm DA. I'm like, oh, yeah? He goes, hey, can I use your restroom real quick? I'm like, uh, sure. Can I see your badge? He goes, yeah. And he goes, yeah, we're, we're, spar- we're uh, investigating your neighbors, which is basically uh, Hector... Hector's parents, he goes, yeah, they're drug dealing, and we're just, I'm like, are you supposed to tell me this stuff, right, and so anyways, I'm about to snitch on you, anyways, and so um, I was like, man, their parents are drug dealing, they're out at like 9, 10 o'clock at night, like, just ragged, and so one day I invited them to, uh, it's like, hey, what do you guys do, are you guys hungry, he goes, yeah, it's like, okay, and it's like, hey, let me go get you McDonald's. So I got the McDonald's. I gave them food. And they were just so ex- excited. This is when they had 29 and 39 cents hamburgers. <laughs> you remember that? And so I gave them like 20 hamburgers. They were like, oh, this is the best, right? And so after that, they started coming around. And I started helping them with their homework. Christmas time came around. I got them Christmas presents. And they would just come around all the time. And it got so bad that they were just, you know, I couldn't do work because they were just there and they're in my office. And, and so my mom, who was the church secretary at that time, goes, don't leave Pastor John alone. He has to study. He has to preach. Right? <laughs> Shooting them away. And I felt like, Jesus, tell the children to come. Right? And so I was like, no, mom, it's all right. Okay, guys, 30 minutes today, okay? And I helped them with their homework. And... Um, before we left LA, uh, the, I think seven-year-old Hector wrote me this note. It says, Dear Junjun, <laughs> John John, I love you for everything that you have given me and all the love you have given me and all the help you have given me. I love you because you are nice and friendly. I love you. If it stays up here and it's not lived out, your faith is useless. Are you really saved if there is no evidence, if there's no fruit of good works in your life? If there's no desire for you to want to please God, if there's no desire, if there's no holy wrestling within you to want to obey Jesus, and it's just up here. Even demons believe, and your faith is useless, James says. And so number three, not only is faith without works useless, but faith without works, here it is, is dead. Faith without works is dead. Verse 21, um, and what James does here is he gives two examples of people um, who used their faith and coupled it with their works or good, good deeds. Look at verse 21. Was not Abraham our father justified? The word justify there, uh, the Greek word is dikaiosune, means that you are, are made right before God. Where God, is, where you and I are sinners, just as God spoke from darkness, let there be light. When you have faith in Christ, he will justify you. He will declare you righteous. Okay, he will declare you as his son, from an enemy to a son, right? 
And so here is, was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works. They worked together, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, quoting Romans chapter 4 and Genesis chapter 15, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. This is what kind of goes against uh, Catholic um, Protestant theology, but it complements each other. It doesn't oppose it. Verse 25, in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the for as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, let me just, because James is saying here, hey, faith, you're justified by your works, not just faith. And he talked about what? That the work of Abraham offering up his son Isaac, that's what made him righteous. Let me just give you the context, okay? So in Genesis 15... God tells Abraham, you'll be a father of many nations. Count the, the, the stars in the sky, the, sea in the, sa the, the sand in the, um, on the floor and the sea. Your descendants will be more than that. In Genesis chapter 15, here it is. Abraham believed God. He believed the promises of God. And he was credited as righteousness. Genesis 15. So even in the Old Testament, it is your faith that saves you. It is not observing the commandments. It is your faith in God that you're made righteous, okay? So in Genesis chapter 16, what happens in Genesis chapter 16? That Abraham then, he begins to live out the faith that he had in Jesus. That it wasn't until Genesis chapter 22, seven chapters later, that Abraham was willing to, to offer up his son Isaac. It wasn't until Genesis 16 that Abraham was circumcised, showing that, that there's a outward physical manifestation that, I'm the, I'm, that, that he is the people of God. And so all that to say is this, you guys. If you look at the order, Genesis 15, he believed God. It was credited as righteousness, meaning that Abraham was saved. And then after that, he got circumcised. Outward um, manifestation that he's the people, that, you know, they're God's chosen people. After that, he, loved, he goes out. After that, um, from that faith and being made righteous, then in, verse 20, in chapter 22, it's like, boom. Um, you know what, I believe in Jesus, or I believe in God, that he's going to provide, I'm willing to offer up my son Isaac. I'm going to obey. So do you see here that it was faith first that enabled to do good works. He had believed God, he was saved, and from that place of saving, the fruit of his faith was that he is willing to go wherever God wanted him to do, that he was willing to be circumcised, that he was willing to give up his son. And then next we talk about Rahab. How Rahab, when the um, Canaan was um, inspected, the spies came to Rahab and said, hey, could we 
we stay in the place and Rahab a prostitute believed and then what did she do she let the spies in belief comes first not works and so as we close this morning um, I know you've seen it on the news about um, Amber Geiger the ex uh, police officer uh, who killed uh, both of them and um, last week I know it went viral uh, just how Brant Botham's younger brother 18 years old was able to testify and go before the the judge and before the trial and say hey could I make a one last request and could I address the courts and what I want us to see here is that faith works not just up here but even in forgiveness faith works in real life okay let's go ahead and take a look uh, the most forgiven people are the most forgiving people of all the debts that we've incurred against God he's forgiven us canceled it the anger that he had on my rebellion and my sin he poured it out in his son Jesus and as if we have experienced this grace so deep this forgiveness so free we receive it in our hearts it transforms our mind it renews our mind and then we forgive other people then we live out that's how faith works it does not stay up here it takes root in here and it transforms our everyday life so much so that you could confront the person that killed your brother accidentally and love them and say I want the best for you I, I love you for who you are I want to I want to give you a hug because you need to give your life to Christ and this is faith at work this is the faith that saves. This is, and so as we have uh, the ushers come forward, uh, we're going to take our communion this morning. And Paul says that we are to examine ourselves. So this morning, would you examine yourself and, and see if you're doing what you're hearing would you examine yourself to see if you are walking in the faith would you allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart maybe there's unforgiveness maybe there's resentment maybe there's disobedience maybe there's an area in your life that you are not willing to let go but God wants to save you from the shackles. God wants to save you from the bondage of sin. Salvation is not only salvation for our souls, but God wants to save you from heartache now. God wants to save you from the mastery and control of sin now. And as we eat this bread, bread signifies sustenance. I pray that God would give you strength to obey that God would give you strength and sustain you to live out your faith, that you would couple and marry your faith in Jesus in the gospel along with good works, along with forgiveness and generosity 
and loving and controlling your tongue and all these different aspects of faith. And so as we eat this bread, might remind us that the New Testament communion is actually the Passover. It is the new Passover. Look at Exodus chapter 12, verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Verse 25. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you as he has promised, you shall keep this service. And when your children say to you, what do you mean by this service? You shall say, it is the sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but he spared our homes. And so, it is through the resurrection, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus that the angel of death passed over. It's through his death that you and I can have life. And as we eat the bread, as we drink the cup, could we wait on one another? And as you're served, could you hold on to your portion? And we're going to sing a worship song. For I received from the Lord, which I also deliver unto you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we remember, we commemorate, we make a memorial, Lord God, of your finished work at the cross. Lord, it's your life, burial, death, and resurrection in which we stand. Lord, all other ground is sinking sand. So, Lord, I pray right now that you would give strength to your people, Lord, as we eat of the bread, that you would give a spiritual sustenance. Lord, when we are weak in our faith, when we're weary in doing good, when we're ready to give up, Lord, I pray that this bread, Lord, would give us strength, give us fervor, Lord, give us resolve to walk out in obedience to the things that you've called us to do. Lord, I pray, God, that as we eat this bread, that there would be a, a marriage, Lord, between faith in you and our works, our good works. And so, Lord, I just pray that um, you'd forgive us, you'd cleanse us, Lord, make us clean so we could serve you, Lord, with a pure heart. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.